I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. You may have heard about a situation a week or so ago in Michigan where... A lawyer for one of the predators I've caught wanted raw videotape from an investigation we conducted in Michigan last October. It made headlines, or at least clickbait, because there was a court hearing I was supposed to attend. The headlines were, for a minute at least, that I had not shown up at this court hearing, or I had skipped it on purpose. Well, that just wasn't the case. And so it is that I'm going to talk about this particular predator investigation in this episode of Predators I've Caught. I'm Chris Hansen. Back in October, we did a predator investigation along with the Genesee County Sheriff's Department. The sheriff there is Chris Swanson. I got to know Chris during the protests after the George Floyd killing in Minneapolis. There was a protest in Flint, Michigan, which is inside Genesee County, where Sheriff Swanson is in office. And he did something rather remarkable. He was out there with his deputies, keeping the peace during the protest. And instead of being on the muscle or being aggressive with the protesters, he actually stepped down from the sheriff's SUV and took off his helmet and marched or walked with the protesters from where he was to the city hall. And the video of this event and how peaceful it was and how he reacted with the crowd made international headlines. I was impressed with it too. As you know, I cover law enforcement frequently. So I called the Genesee County Sheriff's Department and I asked to talk to Sheriff Swanson to do an interview. He agreed, and we did an interview for my YouTube channel, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen. And it it was a great interview. And I thought it was important to show someone in law enforcement using common sense and working with the community 
So the community, as frustrated as it was, could express itself in a peaceful manner. And there wasn't enough of that going on in the country at this time. New York City was a mess. The protests got violent. Minneapolis, obviously. Los Angeles, obviously. Chicago. So this was an important thing, I thought, to report. In the course of those conversations, I continued talking to the sheriff about potentially doing a predator investigation in his jurisdiction. And during the course of our discussions, it became quite clear that combating human trafficking was a passion for Sheriff Swanson. He had put together something called the Ghost Team, and the Ghost Team is very active in Genesee County, which encompasses Flint and you know some other urban areas, as well as some rural areas. And they do sting operations, frequently, looking for predators, trying to prey upon children, looking for anybody involved in human trafficking. And they are very successful. They've got a 100% conviction rate, and their numbers are well into the hundreds in terms of predators they've caught. So we got talking about it, and, and I was allowed to be a part of an investigation that was led by the Genesee County Sheriff's Department in another jurisdiction, a neighboring jurisdiction, Shiawassee County. And the sheriff there also participated, state police participated, and there was some, actually a federal agent who also was helpful. And the sting operation was set up in a motel in a small city, Owasso, small town America. It's between Flint, Lansing, Saginaw area. And predictably, as I've experienced in virtually every other predator investigation going back 17 years, it didn't take long before the online decoys were hit upon by men looking to have sex with them. And that was the case here. And one of the men who showed up, and this is amazing, really, you wouldn't think this could happen, but it speaks to how these guys come from all walks of life. One of the guys who showed up in the investigation looking to meet a teen for sex was 32-year-old Michael Lott. And what makes him stand out, though, is that he was a corrections officer for the state of Michigan, a law enforcement officer, a prison guard. He worked in a prison, a Michigan state prison, guarding inmates who quite possibly could have been convicted and sentenced for the same crime he was allegedly committing. So let me set this up a little further. We know that this guy, Michael Lott, is on his way. We know what his intentions are based upon the chats. He's been communicating with decoys who look to be underage. And this is all set up in a motel, nice motel in Chiawassee County, as I mentioned. So we're thinking we've got a little time before this thing actually starts. But Michael Lott wants to move quickly. And so because of the COVID-19 restrictions, and because it was the first time working with this particular jurisdiction, and we had multiple jurisdictions, the decision was made that once the guy showed up, he would first be met by law enforcement, handcuffed, given his rights, and then I would get an opportunity to have a discussion 
in the way I like to have discussions with alleged predators. Now, he could have said, I don't want to talk. He could have said, go pound sand. And there's nothing I can do to make him talk. Michael Lott shows up. And I'm going to let you hear some of the things he said. Now, we did a story on this for the YouTube channel, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen. It it was very popular, I think close to 900,000 views. And it's also part of a continuing project we have going. We shot some other investigations in Michigan. We're getting ready to do some others with the intent of putting together a network show. And we're in discussions about that as we record this podcast. So listen to what happens when Michael Lott first comes in and sits down in this hotel room. And I have a chance to interview him. What's your name? Mike. Mike what? Lott. Lott. And how old are you? 32. 32. Now, first off, I'm embarrassed because Michael Lott is wearing a Michigan State University sweatshirt. I went to Michigan State University. I'm a graduate of 1981. And so that was upsetting, just to get off on the wrong foot with him. And I asked him what he was doing here, as I often do when I confront a predator. Right away, he says, he thought it was a sting. So the question is, okay, if you think this is a sting, what the hell are you doing here? What was your plan here? Yeah, I didn't really know because I thought this was what this was. You thought, what was this? What? Uh, like a sting, man. A sting, man. What made you think it was a sting? Because uh, she said she was 19 and then... 15. She said she was 19? Well, she, and the ad thing says she was 19, and then she's like 15, 14, 15, and then she's going to turn 14. Yeah, what she said was she was going to be 15 in December, but she's 14 now. That's right. And then I was like, mm, something just not, don't sound right. Michael Lott had a very graphic conversation online with a girl who said she was 14. He asks her a series of sexually charged questions, including something, and I'm going to try to put this as sensitively as I can. He asks her if she squirts. Now, apparently, and again, the only reason I get into this is to tell you what's in this guy's mind, to show you what kind of a human being this is. Squirting refers to apparently what happens when some women reach climax. He was fascinated by this, and there's talk in the chat of it. And he later says in the interview that that's what he wanted to do. Just he had never seen that before and wanted to see it. She said she squirted. I've never seen it before. I was going to ask her to see if I could see it. Squirted? What do you mean by squirted? Um, like, I don't know, like a girl gets off and she... Like ejaculates outside or whatever. So you thought, well, on the way to Home Depot, why not stop and see this girl perform this sexual act? Right. Now, I find it kind of hard to believe as I'm sitting across from him that he's actually admitting all this. I don't know why. I have guys admit all kinds of things to me. He then lies and says that he didn't realize that she was only 14. Now, I've got the transcripts. I've seen what he said. 
He claims for a minute that she was actually 19 or she said she was. And of course, we know that's not true. So I continue asking about what his intent was. There are a lot of I don't knows and I was going to ask her for her ID. And if she was not of age, I was going to bounce. And this goes on for a while. You be the judge yourself. You, you, you tell me what you think of his story. And so what was your plan once you got here? What were you going to do? To see how old she actually was. So you just decided to pop in and have sex with a 14-year-old girl? No, I wasn't going to have sex with her. You weren't going to have sex with her? What were you going to do? Well, I was going to see how old she actually was. If she was, I was going to ask her for proof when I got here. See if she had a license or whatever. She didn't have a license. If she was really 15, I was going to bounce. But you were going to bounce? she was older than 18. You thought she was lying, but she said she was 14 and wouldn't be 15 until December. I didn't think she was telling me the truth. What no, made you think? What the made way you she think? was talking to me. I know, but she couldn't have made it clear, Mike. Uh, I really was going to ask her for proof of her ID or something, but... You see why that doesn't make sense? I understand, yeah. I've heard that story so many times, Mike. No, I, I get it. I totally understand. Why should I believe you? Sure, And not only is this guy, Michael Lott, a corrections officer, a prison guard who works for the state of Michigan guarding inmates who in some cases could have done exactly what he was doing on that very day in October of 2020. This guy is married. He's got young children at home. Do you live with anybody else? My wife and kids. Your wife and kids. And how old are your children? Uh, 10, no, 9, 6, and 9, 7, and 8. 9, 9, 7, 5. He told me they were 9, 7, and 5. He was a little bit confused about the ages. So think about this for a minute. His oldest, at 9, is only 5 years younger than the girl he was coming to see perform this sex act. Unbelievable. He says he was on his way to Home Depot. He was going to buy some paint for the exterior of his house. He lives not far away. He told me the color he was going to get was graphite charcoal. It's amazing that people will get into that sort of a detail. I think sometimes just to get away from the questioning of their immediate situation, what they really came to the location for. I asked him what his wife would think about all this. And what do you think your wife is going to say about this? Wouldn't be happy. Wouldn't be happy? No. Eh, He didn't seem to think that she'd be very happy. So this goes on. And I confront him with the fact that he could be potentially, if found guilty, put in the same facility where he worked at that time, he didn't want to come to grips with that. So you're a corrections officer monitoring inmates, some of whom likely are in there for being predators. Right. And here you are getting caught by me being a predator. Right. Don't you think that's a little ironic? Right. The next stop for you could be in the same prison where you used to work. What do you think they're going to do to you if you go to prison, Mike? Do you think they're going to like that? No. You know, they watch my shows in prison. 
I continued to ask Michael Lott to help me understand why he came here. And he can't really, aside from the fact that he wanted to see this young woman perform this sex act, come up with a a very good explanation at all. If I wasn't here, if the police weren't here, and just you and the girl were here, I wouldn't have had sex with her. I wouldn't. Come on. I would not have had sex with me. So you're just going to watch her? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Pleasure herself. Right. And then go off and get the paint and go back home to your wife and three children and paint the house. Right. Ultimately, he's arrested. He's taken away. He's booked on charges of attempted solicitation of a minor online. He ultimately gets bail and is released pending the case in court. There's a not guilty plea filed. And this case takes a long time to work its way through the court system because there aren't a lot of court appearances. The court is doing everything remotely, only taking priority cases because of the pandemic. And it's a small courthouse, very quaint, actually, courthouse in Corona, Shiawassee County. And the prosecutor, you know, this is his first time dealing with a case quite like this. Now, Sheriff Swanson of Genesee County does this all the time. And he has gained a very respectable reputation in terms of conducting these sting operations. So sometimes he will go into a neighboring county like Shiawassee and help them put a sting operation together. And that's what was going on here. The Sheriff's Department in Shiawassee is very professional. Good men and women, sharp, they do their job. But the prosecutor's office, you know, only five prosecutors there. So, you know, it's still coming to grips with how to deal with this sort of situation. And you'll see why that's significant in a few minutes here. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. We wrap up the investigation. We also caught a fellow who was a babysitter with a butt plug. There was another guy who was a contractor for the state of Michigan who had actually done work inside the governor's official residence. But it was the corrections officer, the prison guard, Michael Lott, who probably got the most headlines from the story we did on the YouTube channel. And it got a lot of headlines locally in the news. So sometime after we did the investigation, Michael Lott retains a lawyer out of Brighton, Michigan, a fellow by the name of William McCreary. And I've never met the fellow. I know a lot of lawyers in Michigan because I was a reporter there for many years. I'm from there. We have a home in Michigan to this very day. So Mr. McCreary, the lawyer for Michael Lott, decides that he wants to compel me to turn over raw videotapes of the investigation, hoping to find some sort of exculpatory evidence, something that would help him in the defense of Michael Lott. Now, there's nothing there. What you saw on the YouTube channel is essentially what we got. But we do get these subpoenas from time to time. And reporters generally don't like to give away work product, raw videotape. But what happens, and oftentimes we comply with these subpoenas, and we always comply with the court orders, unless, of course, that raw material, that work product, could divulge the identity of a confidential source or informant. That's not the case here. This is just, you know, four or five cameras showing what's going on in the room where this predator investigation was taking place. So 
there was no reason not to comply. But typically what happens in these cases is the prosecutor will subpoena any evidence the prosecutor needs. And then once that's turned over by us, the defense could get this material through discovery process in the ramp up to the trial or plea bargain, whichever happens. So I get subpoenaed and the lawyer sends process servers to the house in Michigan. And my official residence isn't at that home in Michigan. Yes, I'm there sometimes. But my official residence is actually in New York City. That's where my driver's license is. That's where my lawyer is. That's where I vote. So I see what's happening. And I call Mr. McCurry's office. And I ask for him and he's not there. But his associate, a young brand new lawyer named Ashley, picks up the phone. And I said, look, Ashley... I've been doing this for 40 years. I understand what's going on here. There's no reason to be sneaking around and try to serve me. I am happy to comply with any legal subpoena. But my lawyer is in New York. So do me a favor, and you don't need to be sending people over to the house in Michigan or sending stuff there that I may or may not see. Go through my lawyer in New York City. This is his name. This is the address of the law firm. This is the phone number. This is the email. Very simple. Now, once you do this, and I'm not a lawyer, I just occasionally play one on TV, but once you do this, the lawyer trying to get whatever they're trying to get from you is supposed to go through that lawyer, the information you give the other counsel. So there's communication between my lawyer in New York and Ashley, who works with William McCreary. Some video is turned over, and now I'm assuming that, you know, everything is going along fine and that everything that the court is ordering is being complied with, or at least, you know, we're responsive to it if there's an issue. Fast forward to early July, just a couple weeks ago. I'm in New York City. I had finished up with a trainer who I'm seeing, and I'm back at the apartment. And I get a phone call from my New York lawyer and says, you know, I just got an email from this lawyer for that predator, Michael Lott, the uh, corrections officer, that there's a hearing tomorrow in Shiawassee County, a show cause hearing regarding additional videotape they want. I said, well, that's news to me. You know, let's make sure we get on. He goes, yeah, exactly. He said, I can't get a hold of them now, but I'll reach out first thing in the morning. Now, the hearing's the next morning. So just to be clear here, my lawyer in New York gets an email asking if he's going to be at the hearing tomorrow. And this is like 4.15, 4.30 in the afternoon. And he can't be in a hearing the next day. We don't have time to find local counsel to be there. But he's thinking, okay, look, in any other jurisdiction in America, we can call the courthouse first thing in the morning, 8.30. And we can either set up a way to use a Zoom call, which is the way many courts are operating these days anyway with the pandemic, or we can postpone the date and, you know, we can go to the hearing. So the next morning, he calls Ashley, associate of William Mercury, and she says, I can't talk to you right now. I'm going into court. That's the hearing at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning in Shiawassee County in Corona, Michigan. So she goes in there, represents to the court that, you know, Mr. Hansen's been served, we sent stuff to his home in Michigan. Now, again, I've already explained my official residence is New York City. They know who my lawyer is. But this information doesn't get transmitted or shared with the judge. There's no talk about, I talked to Hanson's lawyer this morning and he's trying to get through to the court. None of that. 
My lawyer then calls. The court talks to the clerk, who is not really very helpful. Says, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. The hearing's already ended. So this hearing is very quick. And what happens essentially is the judge says, well, based upon what the defense lawyer for accused attempted child rapist Michael Lott is telling me, Mr. Hansen's been served, but he hasn't showed up in court. So the judge issues a bench warrant. It's a civil matter, but it's a bench warrant. It's an arrest warrant. Now, we get wind of this right away, right? And we don't take it lightly. It's a serious matter. Again, in any other jurisdiction, had it been one county over in Genesee, one county over in Oakland, had it been in New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, this would have been a phone call to clear up. But this is what this judge in Chiawassee County was told. And he had the purview to issue a bench warrant, which he did. We continue to try to reach out to the court to straighten this out. The clerk will continue not to put us through or to have communications with the judge. Now, we have to be respectful here because it doesn't matter whether it's a big town or small town. This is a judge. He's made a ruling. We have to respect it. We have to deal with it. So we find a local lawyer, very sharp, respected guy named Clint Perryman, and we enlist him to help. He and I are in discussions. And again, I'm still thinking at this point, well, this is obviously going to get resolved over the phone. This bench warrant will be withdrawn and we will comply with any court order and, and we'll move on. But it doesn't go that way. Communication is very difficult between Clint Perryman and the courthouse. And so we decide, you know, the best way to do this is face it head on. And so we go to Corona Friday morning. The hearing was Wednesday, Thursday. We were trying to deal with it remotely. It was clear that wasn't going to be happening. We went there Friday. Lawyers went to the courthouse. I stopped in the sheriff's department. It's all right in one little complex there in this little bucolic small town. Beautiful courthouse. Very historic. And within 45 minutes, the entire thing was settled. Done. The judge could not have been more attentive and all over it. But again, this is going into a holiday weekend. We couldn't take a chance. We had to get there. We had to get this sorted out because at noon, you know, everybody goes away for the holiday, a long weekend. And we certainly didn't want a bench warrant floating around out there. It was wrong on so many different levels. Anyway, the judge immediately withdrew it. There was a stipulation signed between all the parties agreeing to what we've always agreed to, which is we will comply with any legitimate subpoena having to do with videotapes in this investigation. So again, once we got there, the sheriff's office was absolutely top-notch. I had worked with some of these guys before or had worked side-by-side -side in investigations. The judge was pleasant, efficient, and the lawyers took care of it. I mean, literally, we had late breakfast at the coffee shop just across the street from the courthouse afterwards. Talked about it. Thanked everybody for getting it resolved, and we're on our way. But to see and hear this reported online in various digital media was absolutely atrocious, outrageous. I mean, look, I know how this works, right? I've been in the business, as I've said a million times, 40 years. I've seen it all. I understand the value of a headline. I understand the value of a tease. I write them. I broadcast them. I put them on social media on a weekly basis. But this was just so offensive 
that the narrative became Chris Hansen is wanted in Michigan, as opposed to, by the way, we did an investigation on a corrections officer who tried to sexually assault a teen girl in a small town in Michigan as part of a larger predator investigation. People seem to, for a second at least, or some people, or some headline writers, or some people creating clickbait, forgot that it was Michael Lott on trial for allegedly attempting to rape a child, being caught on camera, denying he was going to do anything wrong, but not putting himself in a very good light, talking about the sexual act that he admitted he wanted this girl to perform, talking about the fact that his young children and his wife were home when he left to allegedly go by graphite-colored paint for his home, and, oh, by the way, stopped into this motel to violate a teenage girl, a 14-year-old girl. So think about that for a minute. Now, he faces a very lengthy prison term. And mark my words on this. They can look at all the videotape they want from that investigation. But nothing, nothing exists that will be exculpatory in any way. And now, because of all the attention this has gotten, I've got people reaching out to me talking about Michael Lott's background. Offended that they tried to turn the tables in this way. So there's going to be more coming out of that, I guarantee you. In the meantime, justice was served. I look at it as it's part of what you do. And when you do something that's high profile and that has impact, you're going to get more attention than the average reporter. It's been that way for a long time. I don't suspect it's going to change. But I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to shy away. And uh, I know, because I know the people involved in this investigation, that justice will be pursued and Justice will be served. And we'll know very soon how all this works out. But I can guarantee you this. Nothing that happened here is going to help the case against accused predator Michael Lott. If you want to reach out to me to talk about ideas for this podcast or suggest other predators you'd like to see profiled, you can get me at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I want to thank you all for reaching out, by the way. Some really, really insightful comments, some great ideas for the podcast. And this one email that got my attention, and it's a little bit lighthearted, but I talked about it in one of my social media posts over the last week. And it's a fella who wrote me a note at that email. And like the podcast and said that he thought he did a pretty good impression of me and that if I ever needed a week off that he could fill in. The listener's name is Corey Barsky, and he sent me the actual impression of me. I think it's pretty good. What do you think? You know that Chris Hansen has spans the span of time from MSNBC to Crime Watch Daily and now the Predator podcast predators I've caught. Now, I just wanted to thank Chris, as Chris, for all of his years of entertainment, education, and information on how to keep our children safe from these sexual predators. 
Now, Chris, if you ever need a fill-in on the show or anything else, feel free to give me a call or I'd be more than welcome to come in and have a seat. Who knows? Maybe if I decide to take a long assignment overseas and I can't bring all my podcast gear, I might have Corey come in and help me out. Thanks, Corey. I'll catch you on the next episode of Predators I've Caught. I'm Chris Hansen. Thanks for joining.